when you've just, you know, stumbled on a biology that you're kind of thinking it's there, but when you actually see through your experimentation that it's there and it makes perfect sense, because usually biology makes perfect sense at the end of the day, it's it's an exceedingly exciting and beautiful uh, thing to, to learn. Hello and welcome to the Bridgewalk Podcast. I'm your host, Katrina Howe. The name of this podcast, Bridgewalk, represents a bridge to global knowledge. Learning is a journey and I invite you to walk along with us. Today our topic is biology and immunology and I'm talking to Dr. Mihaela Gajeva. Dr. Gajeva is Associate Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School at Harvard University in Cambridge, Massachusetts, USA. She's Associate Professor, Brigham and Women's Hospital. She's member of the Developmental Therapeutics Program at the Dana-Farber Harvard Cancer Center. She teaches immunology and microbiology at Harvard Medical School and Harvard University. On the podcast, Mihaela talks about the role models and influential people on her path, her research into treatments for bacterial infections, and her online course teaching students around the world. Let's go to our conversation now. Welcome, Mihaila. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure. Could you talk about how you came to be in your current role and a bit about your career path to this point? Right. Well, um, I've had interest in biology since my college days. And I must say that um, my mother served as my role model for all of us, there is a role model. So my mother was a role model for me. Um, she had an interest in biology, and she was a fairly well-accomplished um, molecular biologist in her own uh, time. And uh, through um, sort of daily experiences of things that we've discussed at home and problems, scientific problems that she brought from work home to talk, I, I became really interested in what she was doing and biology subsequently in general. So that was sort of my early exposures to uh, to science. And then since our lives uh, with the family were very closely linked to science, I sort of like started breathing science and immunology from maybe the end, the age of 12. So there was a lot of exposure there and there were constant conversations about what is happening, what are her questions, scientific questions, how she sees them. She was, she was very often excited by biology. It was a time when people were studying proteins and protein biochemistry was in fashion and people were understanding how different modules or components of the proteins work together to induce or to um, execute the function of that protein. So very early on, I became a lot uh, influenced by her and also exposed to the knowledge. And then it became clear that the research questions begged answers and eventually these answers came about and every answer brought another question. So it was sort of like going along down the rabbit hole. But um, but the information that eventually in like a span of like five years one gained was like a significantly more than like five years ago when, when we didn't know much. And so I, I've seen her throughout her career and then 
it's how I um, essentially started studying biology because I was so fascinating by all these questions and how we can go about answering them and what we can learn about proteins and how proteins come together as systems and how these systems come interact with cell types and that at the end of the day comes out in the response. Um, and so that's that how I, that's how I studied. Um, I was I benefited greatly from my time in Oxford, um, where I studied the complement system, and the people that worked with me in my PI. They were phenomenal people. They, um, I probably the best time of my life was again a very social time. The five o'clock tea time was like when everybody would come tired in in the hall in the cafeteria and they would talk about science and the experiments they've just ran in a very informal fashion around the table tired from like working a day in the lab and maybe sharing frustrations but also at the same time sharing experiences giving feedback to each other so oxford was a very was a very nourishing place to me it was it was just framed my my the way i see science through um, a protein biochemist kind of, of view so I was, I was exceedingly um, grateful to the opportunity to, to go there on, on a scholarship. And, and that's how I essentially started. I mean, from Oxford, I, um, I got a postdoc position um, here in Boston, and I started learning how cell types can work together and how this can be studied in animal models. And that was, that was very exciting to now be able to manipulate live mice, um, generate knockout mice, see how the absence of certain proteins or presence of certain proteins changed the overall immune response of an animal. That was, that was phenomenal. I was very grateful to my uh, PIs there. And I got some travel around the world. I had a faculty position in Denmark and that, that, that was really reinforcing because Denmark's a great country. People are very united. Equipment was phenomenal. People are very collaborative. So science is about collaboration and contact and, working together and and they also had their tea time so it was not five o'clock though but they also had a tea time mostly lunch time but uh, i think these social parts to science was very much were very motivational and they were also very thought-provoking mm. yeah so long long road um but ended up uh, coming here um, my mentor here um professor pierre was was very gracious always supportive still supportive and uh, growing within Brigham's was, was a phenomenal experience. Um, it's, it's really nice to have an incredible assembly of scientific minds and projects running at the same time. So I think mm. I have been very fortunate. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. And I, I really like how you identified how um, there are certain people you learn from along the way. Um, you know, from your mother to um, your colleagues, and that this created the kind of collaboration that you said is important in science. So mm -hmm. I think that's something that people can uh, definitely keep in mind. I also wanted to ask if you can think back to when you were an undergraduate, uh, what were you interested in as an undergraduate student? Yeah, so as an undergraduate student, I was very much interested to um, understand how proteins or fragment of proteins worked in the context of a certain systems. And I think uh, when I was given opportunities to study those as an undergraduate, uh, I benefited a lot. 
So our early exposure to wet lab-based research or um, data mining research was were really experiences that nourished you as a scientist, as a researcher, as a person that's asking questions. So I think my changing advice, um, my my life changing experiences as an undergrad is when I was given a problem to solve rather than being given an answer to the question. I was I was pushed to be creative, to be to think independently to ask a question independently and then to seek that answer. And I think that's a process that I I take my students through every summer when I teach or every winter when I teach. And um, for the medical doctors that don't do that research or for students that study medicine, having some time to think about research and how that can change their practices is very important. I think that's, that's unique. I had a PhD student who comes from an... Um, from China, she's a very smart girl, was very fortunate to work with her last year. And she's an ophthalmologist, so she she knows a lot of the clinical part of the work. She was going to be a resident this year, but she took one year to do research. And it was incredible to her because she actually learned how through research you can change clinical practices. And it was a an eye-opening, and she was actually driving the process, um, coming up with her own questions, learning about biology. That's kind of, they tap into science, and they see like, yes, I can actually do something that matters. Can you tell me about your area of research? So my group studies host-pathogen interactions, and our focus is to identify novel approaches to treat bacterial infections. And we study this in animal models, and we try to look at immune responses and define how the host that is infected responds or fails to respond to a particular infectious challenge. And we're trying to understand how we can boost a compromised response. Can you talk about the kind of diseases that Uh, If people are suffering from these diseases, they might be helped through this research? So uh, some of autoimmune diseases have manifestations like frequent bacterial infections as manifestations. Um, For example, diabetes has frequent uh, bacterial infections. People with lupus come up with the frequent bacterial or viral infections. And so in, in these settings, the immune response is already heightened and already changed. And the, the infectious agent exacerbates that change. So we're trying to control the response, to alter it, to induce minimal tissue damage. Also, a lot of um, non-autoimmune uh, patients that just simply have experiencing an acute infection can have um, can benefit from these types of therapies. So like today we're facing a pandemic and the major reason a lot of the mortality in this pandemic uh, we're seeing is from an overactive immune response and controlling this overactive immune response is essential to preserve the organism functionality. So that's where we see our work. Considering how long it takes to um, do this research, like what are the things that you enjoy that um, keep you motivated? 
Oh, that's a great question. We're driven by desire, or at least I am driven by desire to find out new things, things, responses, discovery of new realities, of new biological phenomenon, of new responses, of new molecules, of new interactions that may allow us to improve therapies or to design novel therapies. And I think working at the forefront of science, understanding where the gaps of human knowledge is and how we can fill in those gaps through our work and how every day in the lab, we're actually working towards finding something new, new molecules, new functionalities associated with the new molecules and how they're relevant to disease I think that's incredibly exciting. Of course, it takes a long time, but that's the only way progress is achieved. So it's very reinforcing when you've just, you know, stumbled on a biology that you're kind of thinking it's there, but when you actually see through your experimentation that it's there and it makes perfect sense, because usually biology makes perfect sense at the end of the day, it's it's an exceedingly exciting and beautiful uh, thing to to learn so mm. I think it's about learning new things and using those new things for 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 therapy that's great uh, could you tell me about uh, some of the courses you teach so I am um, I'm very fortunate to teach immunology I teach immunology for undergraduate and graduate level it's an online course um, through the Harvard extension school it's a totally virtual experience now. Uh, we record the lectures. We usually used to have uh, people that take the immunology on campus, and we hope that this is still going to be the case, but the lectures are recorded and they're broadcasted. So that's one of the largest courses I teach. I'm very fortunate to teach it with my staff. It's a lot of work, but it's a great job. We break the students into groups, um, and each week, in addition to the recorded lecture, we meet together and we talk about different aspects of the lecture. Yes, that does sound like it's a great opportunity, especially that the class will be offered online and um, students around the world could, you know, apply for that. So something students can check out themselves. Uh, you mentioned scientific writing. Could you talk a little bit about the kind of writing skills that scientists um, should know before they enter into their careers? Uh, that's a great question. I think I think a lot of our researchers, they tend to focus only on science, which is important, and only on learning approaches and um, techniques, uh, which is what you do when you go to the lab and you start you know, working towards a research project. A lot of that education is sort of the foundation, but now we're coming up with additional modalities to supplement this education, and that relates to writing. And writing is a very important part of it because most of the applications that we do for funding and for new project development is in writing. So I think students benefit greatly from knowing how to write their thesis to knowing how to um, how to write further on down the line, grant proposals. And so what we teach them is how to look at data critically, how to use a particular data set to ask questions, formulate hypotheses, 
and then write an application, a small application, like a small little proposal, like three three page or five page proposal, where you have all the elements that are needed in a real proposal, but it's just in a very abbreviated format in a very specific and small question. And I think that's a very important part of their education to try to to know that science, a lot of science is actually doing it in the lab but a lot of it is analyzing it and a lot of it is uh, then writing about it in, in terms and words and language that can be understood well by specialists, but also by general general public. Can you um, talk about habits or some things that successful students could keep in mind also as they want to be good students, they want to study well? So, so, so maybe two things. One is try to be organized and um, never leave things for tomorrow. <laughs> be practical. The things you can do today, do them today. Um, a lot of, we, we get easily distracted today and students get a lot of uh, information constantly um, thrown at them. And so it's easy to, you know, do start doing one thing and another and then another and then another. So I, I think um, organizing your thought and seeing something through from the beginning to an end as early on as you can get your habits in place, um, this is important. I get a lot of students ask me, how do you study for this subject? Well, it's like, okay, you, you organize, you create a plan, and you're, you are persistent. You don't expect something to happen quickly, and you don't expect it to happen overnight. And it's like, you know, drinking a wine. You, the wine needs to be open. It needs to breathe. You need to take your time and then you need to drink it. So that studying is kind of the same thing. You, you start looking into a problem. You learn different pieces about it. Then you come back to it. You add more information to it. So, so be patient. Be patient. Things do not happen quickly. But at the same time, be organized and see it through. Do not give up for one reason or another or get distracted. And, and for that matter, um, be very curious. I think curiosity helps. Um, try to learn different things, as many different things as one can. And don't be shy from like picking up new, new things to learn, new subjects, new problems. So the early on, as young as, as young as you are, the more you can learn, the better. That is very helpful, yes. So my final question is about your Bridgewalk advice. And this podcast is called Bridgewalk. It's serving as a bridge to global learning and knowledge. And we want to encourage everyone to keep learning from the world. So what is your Bridgewalk advice? I think globally, every country and then potentially every culture has a unique perspective and unique things to offer. And as we're talking about global education and virtual education, the more different, distinct exposure one can have to different styles of teaching, different problems, different cultures, and how the different cultures then translate in different um, types of courses, the, the better we are. So the more open we are, the better off we are. So if you're thinking about creating and being responsible for your own education, um, take a course from five different universities, you know, from five different countries. They will all soon be available online. So see 
how every and each one of them will give a different perspective. And I think that would create a lot more exposure in the way you see your own um, drive. And then try to identify areas that are of interest to you um, as a person so that you can drive your learning experiences by yourself towards a particular goal. So start early understanding what it is that you want to study. You know, do you want to be a neuroscientist or do you want to do computer sciences and artificial intelligence? So, so have a broad platform and that hopefully initial broad platform will allow you to focus on particular areas that, that you like. And then now, don't be afraid to unite things that are very dis desperate and distinct and away from each other. Very often, weird combinations give probably best output. Yes, thank you. That's great advice. And it's amazing that um, there's more and more courses that are available online um, that are accessible to students around the world. And yeah. they definitely should check that out because there's so much that you can learn. Uh, so I want to thank you uh, so much for joining me, Mihaila. And yes, it's been um, fascinating. And I think there's so much that students can learn from this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. I hope you learned a lot from this episode. I really enjoyed the conversation. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. If you listen in China, you can find it on WeChat, Himalaya, Apple, and Bijan. I'm Katrina Howe, and thanks for listening to Bridgewalk.